welcome back to Have You Seen It? I'm Maggie, and in this episode, I have a comedy from Argentina to tell you about. Are you ready? Let's go. So before we jump into this episode and before I talk about the petition that I'm going to talk about this week, a quick update on Brianna Taylor's murder. One of the police officers, Brett Hankinson, was fired from Louisville Police on Friday, which to me it's not good enough, but I'm still shocked that it happened at all. But I'm going to try to keep you guys updated on these petitions and cases as we go, so I just wanted to let you know about that. And this week I actually have two petitions to talk about. The first one I was going to originally go for is... Elijah McClain, but before I talk about that one, I want to quickly go over the one to make Juneteenth a national holiday here in the U.S. So for those that don't know what Juneteenth is, it's a holiday to commemorate the day that all slaves here in the United States were freed. Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation into law on January 1st, 1863, and it took over two years for the news to reach Galveston, Texas. On June 19th, 1865, the Union Army arrived in Galveston to enforce the executive order. There are a lot of different stories of why it took two and a half years, but the fact is that it took two and a half years for all of the slaves to be freed in the U.S. This is a day that should be taught in history classes, and it's not. We celebrate July 4th as our Independence Day, but the fact of the matter is not everyone gained their freedom on July 4th, 1776. Do I think this current administration will make Juneteenth a holiday? No. But you can still sign the petition for the next administration. 47 states now recognize it as a state holiday. The only three that don't are North and South Dakota, as well as Hawaii. But it should be a national holiday that is celebrated everywhere. The other petition is for Elijah McLean. On August 24, 2019, Elijah was walking home after going to the store to buy some brisk iced tea in Aurora, Colorado. Elijah was anemic, so he would often wear a mask to keep his face warm on his walks. He had the police called on him because he was suspicious. The caller stated that he didn't have a weapon and that no one was in danger. When the police approached Elijah, he had headphones on, and at first he didn't hear them. When one of the officers grabbed his arm, he said that he had the right to go where he was going and that he didn't do anything wrong. He told him that he was just going home. The police say that Elijah, who was unarmed, would not stop for them and resisted arrest, as well as supposedly reaching for one of the officer's guns. The three officers that were there threw Elijah up against a wall and then tackled him to the ground. While the three officers were wrestling with the 140-pound Elijah, one of the officers put him in a chokehold, which led to him vomiting and saying that he couldn't breathe before passing out. And according to the body cam footage that was given to his family, when he says he can't breathe, a police officer responded with, Don't move again. If you move again, I will call in a dog to bite you. The paramedics were called because, again, according to police, Elijah seemed to be in an agitated mental state. When they arrived, they gave an already handcuffed Elijah a dose of ketamine that was enough for a man twice his size to sedate him. Him being handcuffed already was not the only problem, because according to the petition, Elijah was already unconscious, so there was no need to sedate him. He went into cardiac arrest twice on the way to the hospital, and on August 30th, six days later, after falling into a coma, Elijah died of a heart attack. He was 23 years old, and since they don't know if it was a result from the chokehold, the ketamine, or natural causes, there have been no arrests. The officers were placed on temporary leave at the time, but they are now back at work. In February, Aurora City Manager Jim Twombly initiated a critical incident review to go over the response from both the Aurora Police as well as the Aurora Fire Department, which is the department that the paramedics that arrived on scene are from. They're the fire paramedics, technically. 
They have started a third-party investigation, but on Wednesday, June 10th, they terminated the contract with the investigator from Connecticut once it was found out that he's a former police officer. They're currently working on appointing a new investigator, though it has not been announced whether they've found one. There hasn't been any news since the June 10th announcement about this case or where the investigation is at currently, and the results are supposed to be released in mid-July. And hopefully, this investigation finds some new evidence because the Adams County District Attorney, Dave Young, said that he doesn't care about the petition and that he isn't going to reopen the case just because people signed it. He would only do it if new evidence was brought to his attention. Apparently, a healthy 23-year-old who had no history of having heart problems dying from a heart attack after being choked for 15 minutes by police and then given ketamine while unconscious by the paramedics isn't enough for some charges to be brought. Because even if you accidentally kill someone, you can still be charged for homicide. It's called involuntary manslaughter. And by the way, the chokehold that was used on Elijah, a carotid restraint, was banned by the Aurora Police Department on June 9th. But, you know, according to the district attorney, charges weren't brought because the police went by the tactics taught to them, and there was no indisputable evidence that an officer used, quote-unquote, unjustified force. And I also want to say that at one point, one of the officers tells another officer, move your camera, dude, when he realized that the body cam of that officer was filming him. To me, and this is my own opinion, those are the words of somebody who knows that they are doing something wrong. Because if you're doing everything by the book, you wouldn't care if you were being filmed. Please sign the petition so that Aurora Police and Adams County District Attorney Dave Young know that we won't let them forget Elijah McLean. He was 23 years old who used to play the violin to cats in a shelter to help them relax, carrying nothing but a couple of cans of brisk iced tea, and he's dead. He deserves justice. Black Lives Matter. So I just wanted to add this real quick in. Today's the 26th, the day that the episode is going to be going up. This was supposed to go up yesterday on the 25th. If you follow the Twitter account or the Facebook page, then you'll know that I was already planning on delaying this episode. It just didn't, it wasn't perfect for me, and I wanted to make sure that it was. So I recorded it on the 24th. Yesterday, after I had finished editing and I was about to upload, there was some breaking news in the case. And it's that the governor of Colorado, Jared Polis, signed an executive order directing the attorney general, Phil Weiser, to investigate the death of Elijah McClain reopening the case, which is huge news. And this is because of the petition. Don't stop signing it just because this happened. This isn't enough. It's a step towards it being right, but it's not right yet. So please still sign the petition. And I'm going to end this part of the episode the way that I originally planned, and that was by reading out Elijah McLean's final words. So here they are. I can't breathe. I have my ID right here. My name is Elijah McLean. That's my house. I was just going home. I'm an introvert. I'm just different. That's all. I'm so sorry. I have no gun. I don't do that stuff. I don't do any fighting. Why are you attacking me? I don't even kill flies. I don't eat meat, but I don't judge people. I don't judge people who do eat meat. Forgive me. All I was trying to do was become better. I will do it. I will do anything. Sacrifice my identity. I'll do it. You are all phenomenal. You are beautiful, and I love you. Try to forgive me. I'm a mood Gemini. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Ow, that really hurt. You are all very strong. Teamwork makes the dream work. Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to do that. I just can't breathe correctly.
Okay, so this episode is all about the Argentinian comedy Almost Happy, which is Casi Feliz in Spanish. It is available on Netflix and it is a HC Films production. It was created by Sebastian Weinrich, who also stars in the show. There's only one season and there are 10 episodes and they're all between 22 to 28 minutes long. It takes place in Buenos Aires, which is the capital of Argentina. Argentina is a South American country and it is located on the Southern Cone, which is the Southern tip of South America. The Southern Cone is made up of three countries, Argentina, which because of the size of the country is the main part of the cone, but there's also Chile, which borders it to the west, and Uruguay, which borders Argentina to the east. Chile borders the entire western coast of Argentina, and Uruguay is easy to miss because it's so much smaller than Argentina, but it is there, I promise. But the other countries that border Argentina are Brazil to the east, and Bolivia and Paraguay to the north. I also want to try to add this in too, just so that you guys see where these shows are all grouped together. The closest show to this one is Borges from Brazil that was filmed in Rio de Janeiro. So they're like 32 hours away from each other, I think. But just in case if you were wondering where in the world they are to each other, that's the closest show to it. Some fun facts about Argentina. Its official name is the Argentine Republic. The city of Ushuaia is the southernmost city in the world. Argentina was the first country to use fingerprinting to prove that someone committed a crime. They used a bloody fingerprint to prove that Francesco Rojas killed her two children in 1892. In Rosario, the hometown of Lionel Messi, parents are banned from naming their kids Messi because otherwise every kid at school would be named Messi and it would just be super confusing. And here I am thinking that it was confusing having three Matthews in one class. The tango was created in the slaughterhouse district of Buenos Aires at the end of the 19th century, and originally it was for two men to dance together, and while it's been described as a quote-unquote making love in a vertical position dance, when danced with two men, it was to represent the duel between the two men in the battle over a woman, and the first female dance partner for men in the tango were actually prostitutes, which is when the dance became about seduction and sex. July 20th is El Dia del Amigo, which is Friends Day, and it's a day where friends come together to celebrate their friendships, which I personally love, especially with everyone being stuck at home now and with it being almost impossible to see friends. I think I might force my friends to celebrate this year, whether they like it or not. It was founded by Dr. Febrado, an Argentine dentist and philosopher, and he came up with the idea after the Apollo 11 moon landing. He said he felt connected to everyone on Earth because so many people were watching at the same time and he really liked that feeling. So he wanted a day to celebrate that connection with his friends. So July 20th, Friends Day. Some quick facts. In 2001, Argentina had five presidents in 10 days. That must've been a while, two weeks. There is a Welsh speaking part of Argentina that has developed its own dialect of the language. There are no public school buses at all. Argentina has the second largest Italian population outside of Italy. Brazil is the only country that has more. And the most disgusting fun fact that I've picked up while doing this podcast is that in 1971, the former president of Argentina, Juan Perón, exhumed the embalmed body of his wife, Evita Perón, flew her to Spain, where he and his new wife kept her at their dining room table for three years until he died. Can you imagine going to their house for dinner, super excited to eat, being like, yes, can't wait, where's the dining room, coming around the corner, 
and there's a dead body just casually sitting there and you're like Juan what's going on buddy and he's like this is my wife Evita and they're both like she's gonna join us for dinner like do you leave or do you sit there and pretend like she isn't there because I think for me I gotta leave that's that's a little too weird for me they speak Spanish in this show the audio alternatives are Italian and Brazilian Portuguese there is also an audio description in Spanish as well. Remember, that's for people that are visually impaired. And subtitles are available in English, Italian, French, German, and closed captioned Spanish. This show is rated TVMA, and the disclaimers are sex, language, and smoking. And the links to all the websites where I got the information for this show, the fun facts, and any other information that I did not use my memory for are going to be linked in the description of this episode as well as in the caption for the post that I made for the show on Instagram. The cast for this show is one of the smaller ones and one of the most straightforward ones that I've had to go over, so this will be fairly quick. The first one is the one that the show revolves around, and that is Sebastian. He also goes by Seba. He is a radio host at Radio Urbana 107.5. He is played by Sebastian Weinrich, the creator of the show. Next is Seba's ex-wife, Pilar. She is played by Natalie Perez. And they have two children together, Fran, who is played by Sofia Gershuni Pesci, and Facu, who is played by Miguel Angel Foresta. Next, we have Sombrija, which in the subtitles, it's translated as Shadow, because that's what Sombrija means. But his name is Sombrija, so I'm going to call him Sombrija. He is the producer of Seba's radio show, and he is played by Santiago Krovoski. Philippe is the other guy that works with Seba on his radio show. He's younger, and he doesn't really seem to care about anything that Seba talks about, like, just in general, not just on the show. He always has his headphones in, and he's usually looking at his phone, not paying attention. He is played by Seba's real-life nephew, Lucas Wainreich. The other characters that you'll see are Seba's mom, played by Adriana Azenberg, and his dad, played by Hugo Arana, and Seba's brother, Gaston, played by Peto Menahim. And the last one is Jesus Rocha, played by Rafael Ferro. I'm not going to tell you who he is or what part he plays in the show because that's a spoiler, but I do want to mention him. But like I said, there aren't a lot of characters in this show that are in all of the episodes or really even play that big of roles. So these are the ones that will play the bigger parts, the ones that you probably should know. So next is the description for the show. And the one that Netflix gives is Sebastian is a radio show host of modest fame, trying to find a way in the world as he deals with his ex-wife, whom he still loves, and two kids. It's a pretty good description. In a show like this, you can't give much more, so it's pretty straightforward. That's what the show's about. I, I think it's good. It was enough to hook me, because there was, I think, a couple other Argentinian shows that I could have watched, but this one was the one that interested me the most. But the show opens with some like slow motion shots of some people walking around Buenos Aires. And then we see Seba in his car when his phone rings and it's Sombrija calling him. And Seba tells him that he can't really talk right now because he's driving. But Sombrija can't hear him because the phone connection isn't really all that good. So they keep going back and forth like that old Verizon commercial. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? And then finally Seba hangs up and he's like, I'll talk to you in five minutes. And he pulls into a parking garage and the guy that works there, he gives his keys to and he's like, I'll be back in an hour, asks if he can have a picture with him. And Seba's like in a little bit of a rush. So he's like, yeah, quick, like quickly, like, yes, I'll take one for you. And then the guy's like, oh, can we flip sides? Because like, I can't take it because I'm a righty or something like that. 
he's taking a little longer than I think Saber would like him to. And then he makes a comment like, you know, he says how big of a fan of the show he is, but it's a little slow nowadays. And Saber's like, what do you mean slow? Like he like just looks at him like, what's that, what's that supposed to mean? And then it cuts to Saber walking in a huge crowd on a sidewalk talking to some Badija on the phone about the fact that the show is slow. And he mentions the fact that the show is always the same. He has three or four shitty jokes. They have the same segments. They go over the same things all the time. They take a call from a listener. It's pretty much always the same. And Sambrija is trying to get him to listen to what he's has to tell Seba, which is the reason why he called in the first place while he was driving. But Seba is stuck on that comment. Like, he just can't get that out of his head. And then Sambrijo tells him to, like, listen. Like, I have to tell you something. And Seba's like, no, you listen to me for once. And then he says something like, I know you think I'm only saying this because someone else brought it up, but it's how I feel. And Sambrija is like, no, I, I don't. Like, you know, I don't believe that. I don't think that. And Seba, he kind of just keeps going. Like, after all this time, it might need to change. It's my intuition. Da, da, da. And then Sambrija, he just says what he has to say. Like, he just, he's like, someone famous is going to be on the show. Someone very famous that you 100% know. You, not, not Seba, you listening. You know the celebrity is the one that's going to be on the show. Like, you, I know you know who that is. I was going to say who it was because it is in the description of the episode. But since I don't read the description of the episodes before watching them for the first time, I'm sure there are others that do the same thing. So I'm not going to tell you who the celebrity is. But trust me, you know the celebrity. If you don't know the celebrity, you are living under a rock. But like I said, Sambrija just says it. Like, so-and-so is going to be on the show. And of course, when Seba hears who Sambrija mentions, he doesn't believe it, because I don't think anybody would. And he's just like in shock. He's like, wait, what? Who? Huh? Say that again? And then he's like, how the hell did you pull that off? And Sambrija is like, I got connections, man. And then he tells Seba that they have 10 tickets to the concert that they can give away. It's a little hint for you. But Seba changes his tune from earlier, like almost immediately. And he's like, I'm so proud of you, Sambrija. It's not you that I'm angry with. It's the management. And like, I'm so excited. And then when they hang up, Seba starts celebrating in the street. And he like jump high fives a guy and starts dancing with a random woman. And then like basically steals a flower and gives it to another woman. Like he's just like so happy, super over the moon about the whole thing. But after that, we see him arrive at the place he was heading to in the first place, which is a place for him to sign the permits for his kids to travel out of the country with Pilar. I'm not a parent, so I don't know if that's a thing here in the United States. I don't think it is. I know you need like a passport and stuff like that. And I don't know if that's actually what he's talking about. Like he needs to sign it for the passports, but they said permits, not passports. But anyways, the secretary says that the notary is there, but he has to wait for his wife to show up for them to sign it they have to be there together and he quickly corrects her and says that pilar is his ex-wife and she's like okay cool and then he goes to sit down and wait for pilar to show up but as he's about to sit down the secretary asks him if he is the radio guy and seva is like yes i am and then she asks if she can take a picture of him and he's like yeah do you want to be in the picture with me and she's like no it's for my parents they they listen to you all the time like they're the ones that are big fans of yours and that moment of like happiness that a beautiful young woman might be interested in him fades pretty quickly he's like cool okay yep cool 
And then he like does like a weird pose for her so she can like take a picture and he's like awesome. And then she walks away for a second, and then when she comes back, he walks back up to her and asks if he can sign it really quickly because it's his ex-wife that's the one that's traveling with the kids, and he just has to sign it really quick. And she says that both of them have to be there to sign. And he says, but he's not the one traveling. And she's like, sorry, you both need to be here. And then she gets, like, a message on her phone or whatever, and she does a voice note back to the person, which a lot of these shows do. Like, is that a normal thing, sending people voice notes? I don't think I've ever sent anybody a voice note unless it was accidental because I wasn't paying attention. But like a lot of these shows, that's what people do. So is it normal? If it's if you know, can you let me know? Because it, it is something that I noticed for like a lot of these shows. I think it's just so that people can overhear conversations because there's no phone conversations that happen really anymore between friends. It's always just texting. But anyway, so she does the voice note back to the person that messaged her. And she's talking about the fact that her dad wasn't able to get tickets to see the celebrity that Seba is going to have on his show. And she's like, I guess we have to watch it on YouTube. Which, like, watching a concert on YouTube is not that bad. But if I had to be there in person, that's what I would choose. And then Seba's ears perk up a little bit like, this could be my in. And he tells her that he can get some tickets for the show because this person is going to be on his show for an interview. And he's like, yeah, 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 you know, we talk quite often. And he's like, it won't be a problem, you know, like exaggerating his relationship with said celebrity. And she's like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And she's like, no, like, you know, that's too much. And he's like, no, don't worry about it. Like, it's okay. Like, I'll just let my producer know. He does a voice note back to Sombrija. And then they start talking again. And she's like, oh, thank you so much. I'd really love to come to the radio station someday. And he's like, oh, come by today you know and she's like no it's too much and he's like no just come today and then we can go out for drinks later and then pilar shows up like literally before the secretary can say anything and she's like oh i'm so sorry i'm so sorry and then she asks the secretary if she's super late and she apologizes again and the secretary's like don't worry about it i'll go let the notary know that you guys are here and then pilar apologizes to seva who's like upset that she just interrupted his chance of flirting with the secretary and she's like oh i ran into traffic and he was like yeah me too but I got here on time and she just kind of like looks at him like okay and of course them being able to just sign the permits would be too easy right so the notary comes out and he's like i'm sorry but i have to go it's an urgent matter and they're both like come on it will be real quick like all we have to do is sign the, the permits and he's like no no i have to leave i've waited as long as i possibly could but i'll be back in an hour so i'll see you then and then he like quickly leaves and they both look at each other like great now we have to wait an hour. So now they have to wait for him to get back. Seba has that look of like, I was here on time. So this is not on me. But they have to wait for him to get back. Now that's where I'm going to leave the first episode. There's more to the episode, but I don't want to ruin the whole first episode. But I think the first seven minutes or so of the first episode does a really good job giving you a glance as to the person that Seba is, as well as the relationship he has with Pilar. It seems like every time he's about to take that step and move past her and past their relationship and their marriage, she shows up and he gets like pulled back in. I will say, I don't think Pilar does it on purpose. Like, I don't think she plays games with him or anything like that. It's just how it is. They have two kids, so they're always running into each other. And it just happens that every time he's ready to take that step, she comes back in. They have a really good relationship still, even after the divorce and like the description says Seba still loves her so he's finding it difficult to move on and it's also super hard to break that connection because of their two kids 
And seeing the way Seba reacts to that guy saying his show is slow, I think shows how he feels about his radio show. He loves doing it, but you can tell there's something lacking for him. So he tries to figure out what that is and if he can get back the excitement he had for being on the radio. And throughout the show, you see Seba deal with work, his kids, Pilar, his parents, and his brother, as well as his love life, personal life. And most of the time, he ends up in a situation that pushes him past his comfort level, and he has to adjust and survive those moments. And there are times where he thinks he nailed it, and he fails. And then there are times he has no idea what he's doing, and yet he makes it work somehow. And while the show is mostly about Seba, we also see... Pilar dealing with life after divorce as well. She used to be a singer and for the first time since having the twins, I think they're like eight or nine, she has decided to try to go and do something for herself and it isn't that easy. I don't want to get too into her storyline, but just know that her storyline is the main reason I want a second season of this show. That I need a second season of this show. Now, because these episodes are only like, like I said, 22, 28 minutes long, I can't really go into too much more without giving too much away. So let's get to my likes and dislikes. And honestly, I don't really have anything bad to say about this show. Was it my favorite show that I've watched? No. But other than things that happened as far as choices that the characters made that were essential to the storyline, I don't really have anything bad to say about it. I actually really liked it and I personally didn't see many flaws. I thought the acting was really good, the pace was really good and fitting, and by that I mean it wasn't too fast or super slow. It was perfect for the situations that were happening in the moment in the show. I also liked the fact that Seba and Pilar's relationship wasn't toxic and they weren't fighting all the time. They were friends still and you could tell that they genuinely not just liked each other but still loved each other even if their marriage didn't work out. And I feel like most of the time in shows, we see a huge part of the storyline be that two exes can't be friends and they struggle to put their children in front of their own feelings of that ex. They just talk shit about each other in front of their kids. And I hate seeing that in real life as well as in shows. So them not being like that was enjoyable for me. And it was probably one of my favorite parts of the show was the relationship between Seba and Pilar. I thought it was really, really funny. I thought that some of the situations that Seba finds himself in were hilarious. I don't know if everyone's going to find it as funny as I did, but I don't care. There's an episode where all Seba wants to do is watch a soccer game and he keeps getting pulled away from it and I could feel his pain. And that was probably my favorite episode because I've been there where it's like, I just want to watch the game. Please leave me alone. I just want to watch the game. And it's like, all of a sudden, everybody wants to talk to you. It's like, you people don't talk to me normally. Why, why are you talking to me now? Leave me alone. The last thing I'll mention that I liked is how real the show felt. And besides the relationship with Seba and Pilar, that's probably my favorite part of the show. I could see these things happening to someone in real life. And like nothing was too out of the ordinary. There was one episode where something far-fetched might have happened. But I think it was just Seba wishing he could do it and not that it actually happened. And when you watch the show, you know what I'm talking about. But we have all had moments where we wish we could go back in time and change something that happened on a certain day in the hopes that it would change something about our lives today. So while if they're saying it did actually happen, like I said, that's far-fetched. It's actually impossible. But if it's him just wishing that he could do it, 
then it makes it even more real for me because like I said we've all been in that situation where we can think of one memory one moment where we're like if I did something different my life could be completely different today so that real feeling of the show any show it is any show that like you're like I I feel like this is real love it but like I said, overall, I really enjoyed this show and I don't have anything negative to say about it. If you guys watch it, let me know what you guys liked or didn't like about it on Twitter. I'm always interested in hearing about it. As far as things that stood out, the only thing that stood out to me or that I noticed was that Sable wears an Alaska shirt in one of the episodes. Nothing else, really. If you guys give the show a chance to notice anything that stood out that I missed, then definitely let me know. And now for my favorite part, words and phrases. I have quite a few for you guys, as well as some grammar lessons thrown in. Nothing too big, but just little bits here and there. The first one that I'll talk about is the word meizos, spelled M-E-L-L-I-Z-O-S, and it means twins. The singular form when talking about just one twin is meizo for a male twin and meiza with an A for a female twin. If the twins are both girls, it's meizas. If they are both boys, it's meizos. And if there is one boy and one girl, it is meizos as well with an O. And that's with any word in Spanish that changes based on gender. If both genders are present, they use the male form. I don't know why. That's just the rules. I didn't create them. And I'm sure I was taught this word at some point during school. But if you had asked me before watching this show how to say twins in Spanish, I would have said gemelos, which is spelled G-E-M-E-L-O-S, which does mean twins. And it follows the same rules as meizos, as far as the usage for males and females, as well as singular and plural. And also, let me just say, I have no idea what to use when talking about someone who is non-binary. You would assume they would use the they form, but in Spanish, the they is determined, like I said before, on the gender of the group. And maybe you would use meizos because that's used when talking about a group of females and males. But I honestly don't know what you would use because I know with Latina, Latino, it's Latin X. So I don't know how that would apply when actually speaking Spanish. If you do know, can you please let me know on Twitter? Like seriously, please let me know on Twitter at official H-Y-S-I because I couldn't figure it out. But like I was saying, I also thought that the word for twins was just gemelos, but it turns out that gemelos means identical twins, which is something I didn't know. And if you type identical twins into Google Translate, it gives you gemelos identicos and gemelos identicas. I don't know why gemelos is not different in those. Like gemelos identicas. Shouldn't it be gemelas identicas? I don't know. But you can say gemelos identicos and I don't think anyone would look at you weird. But saying gemelos identicos is like saying identical identical twins. A little redundant. It's like when people say chai tea. You're just saying tt because chai means tea in Hindi. But if you look at the word gemelo in a dictionary, it says it's a twin of the same egg. And a meizo is a twin from a separate egg. So like I said, I didn't know that. Meizos, twin, gemelo, identical twin. And I was happy to learn something in Spanish that wasn't considered slang. Which leads me to the next thing that I picked up on, which was more of the absence of something. And it's pretty much the entire two form. I didn't hear a single eres through the entire show, and I just thought it was the accent when it came to them pronouncing some of the words different to how I'm used to hearing them. 
and I had no idea why. And it wasn't until I heard them say the phrase avos, spelled A space V-O-S, that I realized it wasn't that I was mishearing them or just straight up missing words. But I was super confused because avos didn't match what the subtitles were saying they were saying. Or at least I didn't think it did. But avos means to you, which is not how I was taught to say that. I was taught itu was how you responded to someone that says it's nice to meet you. And you want a quick way to say to you as well, and or and you, which is what itu actually means, and you. Now, I was never taught that vos was used as replacement of the two form, which is the informal way to say you, by the way. The formal way is usted and uses different conjunctions of verbs, but I don't have time to give you an entire lesson on the Spanish language. So let's just get back to what we're talking about right now. So tu is the informal you form. So informal is anybody you know, friend family, subordinate, right? Ustedes is formal, so your boss, you could use them for strangers, an elder, right? But two, like, you're here, you're there, how are you? But that's what I'm saying when I talk about the two form, is that way of saying those words, okay? Now, I have heard of vosotros, which is the equivalent of ustedes, which is how you address a group of two or more that you are not a part of. And I even knew that vosotros was the informal way to address those groups, or how you would address a group of people you were familiar with, but we were taught that that form was only used in Spain. And I only had two teachers that spoke with the Castilian accents when speaking Spanish. If you don't know what that is, go back to season one and listen to the episode where I go over the Spanish show The Neighbor, because I give a breakdown of what that is. And those two teachers did go over the conjunctions in that form, but for the most part, my teachers and professors acknowledged that the Vosotros form existed, but never really went over it because they said there was no real point, basically, because most of the world just uses ustedes, or most of the people, South America, Central America, North America, just use ustedes. I don't ever remember them mentioning that there were places all over Latin America that uses the vos form instead of the two form. We were just always taught the two form. But vos is the only form they use in Argentina. You will never hear someone from Argentina use the word tu or the conjunctions that go with it while you're there. I feel like that's a pretty important thing to know when learning Spanish. They obviously will be able to understand you if you use tu, but it could cause confusion when they conjugate the verb ser, which means to be, as sos, and not eres. Like I said, I didn't hear a single eres, and now I know why. So instead of saying, tu eres mi amiga, you are my friend, they say, vos sos mi amiga, which is the same thing, you are my friend. Grammatically, there isn't much difference there are only two tenses that you conjugate the verbs differently in, but I'm not going to get into that because, again, I'm not going to give a lesson on the entire Spanish language. I would love to, but I'm not going to, mainly because the different tenses were never my strong point in Spanish, or English, for that matter. I don't know what a past participle is in English, so how am I supposed to know what that is in Spanish? And I think I've done too much already, and I've probably lost some people. So quickly, what I learned was, one, the phrase avos, which means to you. And secondly, that Argentina does not use the tu form, they use the vos form. Huge news. Never taught that. I've been taking Spanish since I was in kindergarten, never taught that. You'd think they would mention it, but they didn't. So that's why I'm talking about it. 
But let's get to the other words and phrases. The next word that I picked up is the word che, spelled C-H-E, and it is Argentinian slang for friend. So it's used the same way the Mexican term way is used. So if you call someone man, bro, dude, or pal, it can also be used to mean hey, not as in hello, but like if you were to say, hey, look at this, you would say, che, mira, like that. So, che. Next up is the phrase, la concha de mi madre, spelled L-A space C-O-N-C-H-A space D-E space M-E space M-A-D-R-E. It is a vulgar phrase that is loosely translated as motherfucker. And online, when I searched la concha de mi madre, it always showed la concha de tu madre, which makes a little bit more sense to me. But Seba says mi madre, not tu madre, which is why I'm mentioning it. And the difference, by the way, is de mi madre is of my mother and de tu madre is of your mother. The phrase isn't always used as an insult. It is often used between two friends to say like, fuck off or fuck you in like a joking manner. And it's used in many South American countries, including Argentina, like I said, Chile and Peru, just to name a few. And I say loosely translated as motherfucker because the exact translation is your mother's seashell. Of course, la concha, which is the word for shell, is used here as slang for vagina. So again, another vulgar phrase that has a reference to female genitalia. The next phrase is another way that you can say motherfucker and it's puta que los pario, spelt P-U-T-A space Q-U-E space L-O-S space P-A-R-I-O and the O on pario has an accent so that's where you put the emphasis of the word pario but it literally means the whore who bore them so you could say puta que te pario directly to someone if you want to end up getting in a fist fight and it means exactly that but if you hear people shout it out they're probably using it to mean motherfucker more than the actual literal translation. And the phrase los means to them and te means to you. So puta que los pario, the whore who bore them, or puta que te pario, the whore who bore you. But Seba says both of these phrases back to back while watching a soccer match when the other team scores, if you want to know how they're used in the show. I knew that the first phrase wasn't going to mean anything good because of the de tu madre part. It's never a good thing when someone brings up other people's moms. And the second one has the word puta, which I already knew meant whore, but I was not ready for the whole meaning of the phrase. And they're translated as fuck and fucking shit in the show. So again, they're phrases that have a literal translation, but that's not how we would translate them in English. The last phrase that I will mention is the phrase tan boludo. And according to an article on FluenteU.com, boludo is the most important word in Argentine Spanish. Now the phrase is spelled T-A-N space B-O-L-U-D-O, and it's translated in the show as meaning so stupid, but there are a lot of ways you can use the word boludo, according to the article, and I wanted to mention them in case you go to Argentina and don't want to look like a complete tourist. Basically, it can be used as dude or man amongst friends. So you would say, que pasa boludo, which would mean what's up man. And let me just add that this is another word that's gender based. So if you want to say it to a female, it would be boluda. But it can also be used as an insult, meaning asshole, dumbass, or putz. So if you said, cuál es tu problema boludo, 
it would mean what's your problem, man. But we all know that when someone says man like that, it means asshole. They just don't want to call you an asshole. It can be used as a verb, boludiar, which means to putz around or to mess around. It can also be used to mean to mess with, to lie, or to cheat, depending on the situation. And lastly, it can be used to describe an activity as ridiculous, not worth your time, or crappy, dumb. Those type of adjectives. And you would use it in the noun form bolides, which ends with a Z, which basically means nonsense or stupidity. Now you know the most important word in Argentina. Boludo. So what would you say the most important word is in your country? Because I was thinking about it, and I honestly don't know what it would be here in the U.S. I think it would probably be more regional than anything. Here in New England, it's probably wicked. We say that a lot. But I know there's some people that listen to the show in other countries. So what would you say is the most important word in your country? If you think you know, let me know on Twitter because I'm like super curious now. Before I, I wrap up this episode really quickly, I want to mention actually one more slang term, and it's the word mujer. Now, if you took Spanish, then you know that mujer means woman, but it's often used as a way to say wife as well in a lot of Latin American countries. I'm pretty sure in most every Latin American country. But in school, we're taught that wife is esposa, which it is. But like I said, mujer is used a lot. So I wanted to mention that in case you picked up on it and didn't understand why Seba is calling Pilar his ex-mujer and not esposa because there are a lot of people in this country, I know for me, like being called woman is demeaning, but it's not meant in a demeaning way. It's just another version or another way of saying wife. So mujer. So I just want to say that as well. If you guys give the show a chance and pick up any words or phrases that you know or any corrections you want me to know if boludo is not the most important word in argentina then let me know what you think it is um but you can always let me know on twitter so like i said i'm gonna start wrapping this episode up um i'm not gonna forget the familiar faces part i just didn't recognize anybody um it's full of famous actors all friends of sebastian who created the show which i think is really really cool I just didn't recognize anyone, so I'm hoping that the more Argentinian shows and movies that I watch, I will recognize them. Um, if you guys recognize anyone, again, let me know on Twitter. I'm going to keep saying it on Twitter until people actually start engaging with me on Twitter. Have you checked out the Twitter? Go check out the Twitter. But like I said, as far as this episode goes, that's all I have for you guys. I saw online that this show was one of the most watched shows in Argentina, so hopefully that means there will be a second season. The way it ends, I kind of need a second season like I mentioned earlier. I need to know what happens. A lot of unanswered questions. I hope you guys give this show a chance. I really enjoyed it and it was super easy to watch. The episodes flew by and in my opinion none of them dragged. There was no moments where you were like, alright, come on, come on, let's go. And there are times where having a show like this is really good to watch because it's just a godsend. You can just sit there and you get lost in them and you get caught away and all of a sudden your 10 episodes are over, you know? So if you're looking for a show like that, give this show a chance. As always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram, official H-Y-S-I, facebook.com at facebook.com slash official H-Y-S-I. Please go to any of the social media accounts to check out the petitions that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, and please take the two seconds it takes to sign them. Please, 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 please. I hope you're all staying safe and healthy and following social distancing guidelines. 
don't get complacent. The first wave here in the United States is not even over and it's picking back up. Wear a mask, wash your hands, don't touch your face, and keep six feet away when possible. Next episode, I will be talking about the Taiwanese rom-com Triad Princess. Have you seen it? Because I have. <laughs>